Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's spooky episode, we just want to remind you that we have an Instagram, a Twitter, and a Patreon if you want to support us. And don't forget, we also have our hotline. We usually tell you stories, but we want you to tell us stories. So if you have ghost stories, cryptid stories, or just want to reach out and talk to us, go ahead and hit up that hotline. We have something fun in store with all the stories we've been getting. Enjoy the show. Ford Explorers to another episode. The uh, I guess last week was technically our first of spooky season. Yes. Uh, but this week we've got this thick cloud of salvia smoke around us to indicate that it is spooky season. To indica. <laughs> yeah, spooky to indica. season. Uh, so welcome everyone to the Ask Cat Spirit Hour. Uh, we are, as I said, celebrating spooky season. So this month we're going to do, we got some shows coming up that try to hit all the tropes. Last week we had zombies with the <laughs> dead internet. If you haven't listened to that yet, please do. It's really good. Uh, and this week, we're talking a little different. We're talking about haunted houses, serial yes. killers, and one of the most... Oh, I guess not serial killers, but uh, a killing. Normally, we obviously don't talk about murder too much. And we'll talk about disappearances, and we'll talk about stuff like that. Like we're currently doing into this cloud <laughs> of salvia smoke. Get used to this. If For the people who watch at home, this month is just going to be like this purple cloud <laughs> screensaver. Uh, but yeah, so we're talking about the Amityville Horror, uh, which is... a fun book it's a couple of fun movies and it's also a very scary true story yes uh but we'll get to that in a minute first we're gonna start as we have been well i guess i i skipped it totally i'm the colonel you're caleb uh how are you caleb i'm good we had some spooky happenings to start off spooky season at work this we week. did have some spooky happenings happening at work today um or so today, this week <laughs> I can do whatever I want behind this. <laughs> yeah, you can't see. We're shit. actually not wearing clothes now. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to say we take my shirt off. Um, so we had a couple of the instances with lights, and last night, as we're standing at work, um, there's a booth that I've said a customer before is like, I feel like someone's sitting there. Uh, that booth, the light right above it, changed color. The Ooh. the known singular changing of color, um, and I kind of like. Moved but that's farther not, away. That's not normally where that light changes, mm, though. Not at all. Yeah. I moved farther away, and I was like, I'm kind of I'm freaked out right now. She's like, why? And she looks up and sees that the light over the booth has changed. And she's like, is that that booth? And I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the normal light also changed. Oh. Separately. Oh. And then we had uh, a couple Can of people Can we get in. some ghost investigators to come check this out? We really need to. We really do. Um, then we had We're some, fully uh, gone. <laughs> we're gone. We're disappeared. Audio I listeners, can, I can barely even see you, you anymore, Caleb. Are you still here? I'm, I've never been here. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, dude, halfway through the podcast, you're going to turn to me and I'm going to disappear. <laughs> um, we had some customers come in who coincidentally just got off of a ghost tour of the city that the bar is in. And they're like, yeah, we have all this, like, spooky, hopped-up energy going on. And we're like, well, you're in the right place, because we just had some spooky things happen. And they're like, no way. And we start explaining them, like, all the things that we've seen over the past, like, year and a half. And as we are telling them, yeah, this place is definitely haunted, all the lights in the bar change color. Even the front ones that never change color. Oh, all Ooh, of the lights, the front change, lights color. change color. The front lights change color. Wow, that is spooky as shit. I'm gonna go ahead and 
Man. Uh, this, okay, as the owner of this bar, I'm officially going to extend an invitation to <laughs> anybody who's a ghost investigator. If you'd like, maybe we we should probably do it. I guess this yeah. will probably push <laughs> us to the edge because that it some sort of ghost. The reason you've never seen our bar on any of the shows or any of that is because it's been empty until I built a bar in it. Yeah, and it's been empty for like a hundred years. So. People, it's been a little haunted building for a really long time. I just don't think there's ever been people in yeah, it. Yeah, no so, one's there to see that it's haunted. Yeah, so by all means, come see us. We uh, we have a very haunted bar. How are you otherwise? Good, yeah. good. Uh, I found some fun spirit-related or uh, season-related articles for us this week. Good, good spooky season. The first one is, uh, since Halloween's coming up, everyone's wondering what they should dress up as for yeah. Halloween. Well, I think it's going to be a lot of squid game. A lot of squid game. see a lot of squid game. Also, uh, unpopular opinion, fuck squid game. It's a, a the anime it's based on is much better. Yes, uh, and it's a dub. It's a dub. No, it's there. There is the original. Is there a one. subbed version? Yes. Okay. Uh, it just automatically puts you in the dub version. Oh, which, that's my bad then. Yeah. Um, it's Unpopular terrible. opinion is that I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah. No, I watched. I watched it with subs. It was way better. Yeah, I can't watch that shit with dubs. Yeah, I just can't. I can't watch <laughs> something in another language where it's like, it's so difficult. I don't understand how it's easier for anybody. Yeah. You'll have, like, full emotion, and it's, like, a guy screaming, crying, and the dub is like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I am can, so sad Like, right I now. can read it, man. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's not... A movie's not best told if you can understand every word that's being said. Yeah. It's not exactly how the flow of a movie works. Uh, I also... This is an article... Not an article that I have today, but it is an article that I read. Um, in the dub version, <laughs> it's impossible to see us. <laughs> we should switch chairs. <laughs> The funny thing is, the people watching don't even know that we're not even here anymore. <laughs> I know. They're like, this is just a voiceover. It's a still. Uh, <laughs> we're on vacation. We're in Puerto Rico right now. No, so uh, the dubbed version, so the English version of Squid Game, actually changed a lot of the script to be uh, less anti-capitalist and less critical of the U.S., <laughs> which is really funny. I love that we're always like, oh... These other countries are are so into censorship, and and we have freedom of speech. And then a show comes out that's like capitalism is bad, and America is a big capitalist country. Yeah, you can't like, say that. You can't say that. You can't say that. But anyway, it's talking about <laughs> costumes. One thing you shouldn't dress up as. Yeah. Uh, one is other people's cultures. Yeah. Two. That's a good. That's a great place to start. <laughs> is a ninja. Yeah. Well, that is other people's cultures. It is other people's. I've cultures. never understood the ninja thing. People are very casual about appropriating ninja stuff. I guess it's because it, like Japan, doesn't really seem to be all that upset about it. Mm -hmm. But like American ninja and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand the appeal. Anyway, talk about the this fucking sweet ninja <laughs> attack. But a man dressed as a ninja uh, attacked members of the U.S. Army. Not a ninja dressed as himself. No. A man dressed as a, a man ninja. dressed up as a ninja, um, in the middle of the night in the California desert. So. Who hasn't had one of those nights? At 1 a.m. on September 18th in uh, Ridgecrest, California, which is right outside, or right north of L.A., um, a man hopped a fence of a military base, broke a window with a rock, hitting a soldier in the head with the rock, and then walked up to uh, a sergeant and was like, do you know who I am? And the sergeant goes, uh, no, not really. <laughs> he goes, do you know where my family is? And the sergeant's like, Nope, and is also on Instagram Live recording this because a dude dressed up as a ninja just walked up to him while he's smoking a cigarette. And he goes, oh, okay then, and began to slash at him with a katana, hitting his phone and hitting his leg, and then running into the base, 
where the U.S. Army... Uh, no, Naruto running into yeah. the base. <laughs> I can't do visual gags. No. Uh, he runs into the base. The sergeant also hops a fence and goes into a building, calls the cops, and is like, hey, uh, a dude dressed up as a ninja just hit me with a katana. We're going to need some help here. Um, the guy dressed up as a ninja uh, hit another guy with a sword um, and then disappeared. Like, they didn't know where he went. The sergeant calls again 20 minutes later and was like, hey, I got 29 U.S. military soldiers hunkered down in a bunker here. Where's our help? You're the army. You've got guns and tanks and stuff. Just go fucking take him down. He's one guy with a sword. <laughs> well, uh, police officers show up. They actually find the ninja suspect on a nearby road. Um, he refused to follow commands, was like holding his katana. They shoot him with rubber bullets. We play Hitman a lot, but this feels so much like a Hitman level. A hundred percent. Because this how is what I play Hitman. Yeah, this is what one of the NPCs in Whittleton Creek would say after yeah. we get done playing. There'd be twenty nine people this at one dude house dressed up as a ninja. <laughs> Soldiers would be like, "I don't know, man." Uh, but what happens is uh, the police show up. They find this guy. He's holding the katana. They shoot him with rubber bullets. Nothing happens, so they finally tase him. Yeah. Uh, they arrest him. He was identified as Gino Riviera. Okay. Uh, he was a 35-year-old man who lived in L.A. Dude, Gino Riviera is the perfect name for that. <laughs> for a ninja? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and he was arrested for attempted homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, brandishing a weapon, and brandishing a weapon with the intent to resist or prevent an arrest. Um, <laughs> he also got vandalism charge well, and obstructing or delaying a peace officer in performing their duties, which is what you get if you fuck with a military member. That's so funny, man. That's What a funny fucking charge. What a hilarious thing to have. I mean, it's scary for sure, but I don't know why they didn't work a little harder to just take the guy down. Yeah, it's a 35-year-old man dressed up as a ninja, and you're... The special forces in the army. <laughs> uh, well, so my first story, um, uh, declassified. This goes back to an episode we did a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess, about Havana Syndrome. It's on everybody's mind, no pun intended. <laughs> so a declassified state uh, department report has been put out, a Jason report, BuzzFeed News acquired it. Um, and that report, which I actually could link, I guess I'll link to in, the, in our description, um, says that it was crickets. <laughs> and that it wasn't sonic weapons. But here's, I do urge you to go back and listen to our episode if you have thoughts on Havana Syndrome. Uh, we sort of explore the idea that it could be any number of things. But to be perfectly honest, uh, to say it was crickets is a little misleading because it happened in several different countries. Several different instances with actual scars to show for it. Yeah. So it just feels like a cover-up. But it's good to know that they're already putting that out. The declassified's really funny, too. There's a rubber stamp on it. And it honestly looks like a movie prop. It really does. It looks like a movie prop. But if you guys want to read through that, click the link. It's down in the description below all our social media stuff. Uh, and it's worth it. It's a pretty quick report. It's just a few pages. Uh, my next one to keep with the season is uh, an Illinois man woke up with a bat attached to his neck about a month ago. Um, uh, I, before we get too into this, I want to just, I don't know if anybody, any of our diehard listeners, maybe Brandon remembers something like that. Uh, we used to have a bat issue in our haunted attic and uh caleb is very afraid of bats i'm extremely afraid of bats. so is this like your living nightmare the yeah. story <laughs> so uh an elderly illinois man uh woke up with a bat on his neck um and he the species was collected and tested and it had rabies ah so he went to the doctor um and they're like hey man uh, you got bit by a bat with rabies you woke up with this thing attached to your neck 
would you like some treatment? And he said, I think I'm good. And so uh, he did just rabies pass away. Rabies is a hoax. He did just pass away from the rabies. <laughs> yeah, man, no shit. Rabies just, just kills people. That's all it does. Which is the first human case in Illinois' history since 1954. Of rabies killing a human being? Yes. That's wild. Yeah, only three people a year I mean, you in really, the U.S. Yeah, you really got to fuck up to get killed by rabies. You know, and this guy really fucked up. He did. Speaking of huge fuck ups, uh, last story today, uh, Facebook whistleblower uh, recently reported that they know full well that their reactionary content is what gets the most attention. And if you were hoping that maybe Facebook will clean up its act and will stop peddling misinformation, uh, this whistleblower made it abundantly clear that they actually prefer those those pieces of information because they get more clicks, they get more interaction, and as anybody who does anything on YouTube or anywhere else knows, anybody who's algorithmically dependent, Mm -hmm. you know that they're going to follow the money, which is very disappointing, but, you know, there's the cynic in you that would tell yourself you already knew that, Yeah, and I guess that confirmation is nice, I guess, (laughs) but really just feels like shit to know that Facebook knows full well. So... Be aware that they not only know that they're selling you misinformation, but they know it's their most lucrative product as well. On the other side of that, uh, YouTube did start banning vaccine misinformation. Yeah, but in order to do that, like the don't get me wrong, I'm all for that. But what is what classifies as misinformation, and who's making that distinction? Yeah, yeah, because if it's the CDC, I support it. However, the CDC in and of itself has had to go back. This is a new thing, you know. Yeah. This is we're not talking about the common cold or the flu, which means that quote unquote misinformation. You know, if somebody somebody who's not uh, has no ill will puts up a video last year talking about COVID. Um, it's not really fair to take it down if th- terms have changed. Yeah. If there wasn't malice in it initially, and that sort of thing's happening. The problem, the rules that YouTube and companies, similar similar social media companies have, those rules are fine. It's <laughs> it's not dissimilar from real laws. It's that um, putting them into place and enforcing them is the issue. So, like, you can make those rules all you want. How are you going to enforce it? Who are you going to decide is wrong? How are you going to go about it? And are you, in all likelihood, just going to leave it up to an algorithm? Because if you leave it up to an algorithm, then in all likelihood, it's going to get it wrong all the time. Look mm-hmm. at YouTube. YouTube yeah. takes down people's channels and shit. I'm surprised that hasn't happened to us yet. Yeah. It's probably because we're not big enough. But they take down stuff for meaningless misinformation all the time. It's unfortunate that it's the, the situation that we're in. Um, I would love to see them really follow through and give us something to be impressed by, but I think time's going to tell. Yeah. All right, now onto the main story. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Amityville Horror. Now, the Amityville Horror is an interesting story because much like... So, there aren't that many realistic examples of terrifying things that have gone on to be as commonly known in the... So, the zeitgeist? Yes. Especially the horror zeitgeist. Like, there's a lot of present tropes in the story. You know, there's an exorcism, there's a priest... There's uh, bloody murder. There's just all kinds of things that you would normally find uh, in a horror script. And don't get me wrong, some of the things that are in the movies were definitely added. But there's a lot of stuff that really happened that is genuinely terrifying. Um, And it's a fascinating story. It's, you know, I would argue probably one of the most haunted houses. I know that the, obviously the Remington Mansion Mm -hmm. in L.A., that's very, very haunted. Uh, But this has got to be up there. Oh, 100%. Uh, Why don't you tell them what happened, Caleb? Yeah, so uh, to set the scene, we're in 
uh, Amityville, Long Island in New yep. York. Yep, it's in Long Island. Uh, just about a mile north of Massapequa Park. Nice. Yeah. Um, and to set the scene, it's around 6.30 p.m. on November 13th, 1974. A 23-year-old uh, named Butch, Butch DeFeo, walks into Henry's Bar. Henry's Bar is also in Amityville. Um, and he just walks in and he just starts screaming. He goes, you've got to help me. I think my parents have been shot. Uh, I've been trying to reach them all day. I can't get a hold of them. You guys got to help me. He's a regular at this bar, so a bunch of his friends are there. And everyone's interest gets piqued. So they stand up and they all start leaving. He and a small group go to his house at 112 Ocean Avenue. Um, they walk in. It was just down the street from the bar. They walk in and his parents were in fact shot. They were lying in bed. They were both shot twice. And one of the people in the group, uh, Joe Yeswit, decides to call the sheriff's office. And he was like, hey, um, we just found my friend's parents. They've been shot in his house. Uh, can you guys come over? So they come over. And upon further investigation, they found that all six members of the family were shot in their beds. Not all six. There well, are seven members There's seven family. members. Six of the Everybody members Everybody except the Butch. Everyone but Butch. So uh, the victims were Ronald um, Jr., or Butch's parents, so Ronald DeFeo Sr. and Luis DeFeo, um, his four siblings, Don, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew, uh, the four disciples. Yes. <laughs> Allison was my favorite. Um, and upon further investigation, they all had been shot with a thirty-five caliber lever-action um, Marlin three thirty six C rifle. Yeah, so the three thirty six is a lever action rifle. That Martin rifle is like um, it's like a Remington. It's what you'd expect. Like uh, it's a cowboy gun. Yeah, it's a gunswing. Yeah, gun. It's a gunswing. You know, gun. it's like a it's it's a lever action. Yeah, thirty out six. Like that's a or three three six. So it's you know. So they find that um, everyone had been shot around three a.m. Uh, with forensics. And they also noticed that the parents have both been shot twice, while all the siblings have only been shot once. And they keep looking. Physical evidence suggests that the mother and Allison were both awake at the time of their deaths, but everyone else was asleep. And the Suffolk uh, County Police said that they were all lying face down in their beds. Yeah, Suffolk County Police also said that the murder took place over the course of, what, about 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. Which, we'll get into that, but... How, over the course of 15 minutes, do you go door-to-door in a house slaughtering people without them stirring? So, Butch, the only survivor, he was the eldest son of the family. Um, It was kind of well known that he wasn't a happy or well-adjusted person. I mean, nobody in this family was. His dad was known for three things, working, fighting, and drinking. Yes. Yeah. His father was extremely abusive, and his mother was very passive. Um, So, Butch's childhood... Uh, led him to have some serious substance abuse issues as an adult. And he got into physical altercations with his dad. Yes, uh, all the time. And he would, like, hit his dad. His dad would hit him. He once threatened to shoot his dad. Um, And so the parents, after kicking him out of the house and getting in an altercation, they're like, well, maybe if we just let him live here uh, and we give him a weekly stipend... He'll kind of get his life under wraps. Like, we still want you to get a job, but here's some money. You can yeah, live as an allowance. House. Yeah, figure it out. And he's like, cool, you guys are giving me money. I don't need to get a job. <laughs> so he barely held a job. Um, he did have a job at the time, but he was notoriously known for being like, all right, guys, I'm headed to work. And then just walk to the bar. Yeah. And then just stay there all day. Yeah. And then 
after like eight hours walk back home and been like I had a hard day at work you guys (laughs) so uh, with this being known the local police pick him up uh, for his own protection because he presented the story like I was at work I came home and they're all dead everybody was dead yeah Uh, so they have him for his own protection and he was like hey guys I think I know who did this like well okay you didn't but who do you think it is and he said i think it was uh louis fellini um a local crime boss yeah well so because of the defeo name and because they lived in long island like it should be made clear that there are a lot of retired mafia guys there's a ton of i would argue that pretty much every cop in suffolk and nassau county is crooked yeah but i mean like in the Oh, what's that damn movie? The, um, the one with Matt Damon, the about the gangsters, The Departed. Yeah, that's a ripoff. Yeah, of the Korean movie. Um, it's not, you know, it's a lot of that. It's like that level of corruption. So there's a lot of that out there. So immediately jumping to it being a mafioso thing. Sure. I mean, a whole family was seemingly executed in their home in the middle of the night in what seemed like otherwise innocuous dealings. Yeah. Uh, so his first story was that uh, Fellini and another man showed up to the house early in the morning and was like, hey man, you owe us money and held him at gunpoint. And when he was like, I don't have any money for you guys and he went to work, he said, then they came in the house and they killed my family. Well, after sitting in the... Didn't steal anything. No, didn't steal anything, didn't take hey any man, money. can I bum a smoke? No, I don't have any. All right, I'm going to go <laughs> kill your whole fucking family. Um, after a couple hours sitting at the police station, he then changed his story again. Yeah. He said, uh, they actually checked, uh, Fellini had an alibi. He was out of state at the time of the killings. So they told him that they're like, Hey, he wasn't in New York even. And the guy's like, well, they actually came to me a couple days ago, uh, and told me you owe us money. You need to kill your family. And they're like, so you killed the family. The I, mom didn't kill yeah, the family. Could, could you imagine that? Like, oh, hey, by the way, oh, dude, oh, you're right. I totally remember what happened now. I killed my family. Fellini came to me and was like, you got to do it. That's what it was. It wasn't that he did it. He didn't ask me. I wasn't at work. I mean, he he kind of did it by telling me I had to do it. Like, what a terrible, like, <laughs> what an obvious alibi, huh? And they're like, um, you're telling me you killed your family? And he's like... Yeah, it was me. And he said, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. And then he was like, I definitely did it. The mob actually didn't tell me to. Like, his story just kept devolving. But he's like, eventually, it is like catching a little kid with their hand in the cookie jar, you know? It's like, were you going for a cookie? No. Well, yes. Well, I actually already took four, and I was going back for more. (laughs) Yeah. I actually already ate the whole box, bought some, replaced them, and I'm still taking some. Um, He then admitted that after... Uh, he killed his family, he took a bath, uh, put new clothes on, and then uh, ditched the rifle, the cartridges, and his bloodstained clothes before then going to work. So he set up that alibi of going to work after doing this um, so he could still go with the whole story of coming home and not knowing what happened. Um but there's some weird discrepancies when it comes to the murders. There are quite a few, as a matter of fact, including within the family. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. We'll get into that. Um, so the police are doing their investigation after having this confession that he's the one that, in fact, killed his family. 
So they're doing an investigation and they're talking to neighbors and they're like, hey, um, on the 13th at about three o'clock, did you hear any gunshots? And the neighbors were like, no. Yeah, the, the neighbors claimed that all they could hear was their dog barking, mm -hmm. right? But that's crazy, because if you could hear a dog barking, you can definitely hear a gunfire. Yeah, uh, especially nine gunshots. Yeah, especially from a rifle like that. Like, not to give too much away, but I've lived in plenty of neighborhoods where there are gunshots immediately outside, next door, or whatever. You know what that sounds like. Yeah. It's a, it, you hear it. You definitely hear it. You can hear a gun go off. And you can hear they, the prosecution when this eventually, so this eventually went to trial. And when they did the pro, we'll get to all that. Yeah. The prosecution talked about the range in which you could hear that gun, and they tested it, and you could very easily hear it five, six blocks away. Yeah. So the fact that none of the neighbors, because while this was like on the river, it's got a little boathouse behind it. It's on the river. It's on the street, and Long Island is occupied the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a suburb the whole way. That's why the, all the serial killers and shit are there, because it's just one really long, crappy suburb. Yeah. Full of crooked cops. <laughs> It's easy to be a serial killer. Dude, you can be a yeah, you can be a serial killer dumping and a, a cop. Yeah, dumping a well, yeah, they usually they often are one in the same, just like that. What just happened in England? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, in Long Island, you might bump into either a mafioso, a cop, somebody who's both dumping a body, while you, the serial killer, are dumping a body. Hey man, oh, we met at the quarry one night. This isn't your time slot, dude. Check the sign out <laughs> list. I have the body dump spot right now. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know, but it was an emergency. I had to act fast. I don't know, that just triggered the uh, Simpsons movie when uh, Homer's dumping the waste into the lake and the mob boss is there and he's like, what are you dumping in the lake? He goes, lawn trimmings. <laughs> and it's, you see the feet sticking out of the carpet and he's like, really? And he goes, mm-hmm. And kicks it into the river. <laughs> um, so they then go, uh, they investigate, they see that there is no signs of struggle. Yeah. And they find the rifle and the cartridges and the bloody clothes. There is no way to affix a silencer onto the rifle, which, common misconception, silencers don't make your gun completely silent. No, not They're at all. They're still very loud. Yeah, pistols don't go pew pew. You know, like, like yeah, it just isn't quite as resonant of a frequency. You won't hear it as far away. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because the sound gets, the sound waves get broken up. But it, I mean, not only that, but they had the, so the, one of the crime scene investigators, the guy in charge was basically like, uh, I don't think all these people were killed where they're laying. I think some of them were moved. Mm -hmm. And I really don't think only one gun was used for this. Yes. And a lot of that has to do with what we talked about a little bit ago, which was all these murders happened over the course of 15 minutes, which is nuts. That's so, fa like, that's fast, but 15 minutes, like, okay, so this podcast has been going now for about a half an hour. Yeah. That means if for the entire portion where we were fogged out, we actually weren't here and we were upstairs murdering six people in the house. Perfect cover. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, who do we got upstairs? We got Cody, we got their camera guy, and their, we could probably do it. Yeah. We got Ziplorp. Yeah. Um, no, so... He's cool, though. He is cool. I yeah, want to kill Ziplorp. Yeah, he shared his Mars apples with me. So they also found evidence of sedatives being in the house. And so they find that, and they're like, is this the gun you used? And he's like, yep. And they're like, did you use these sedatives? And he said, yes, I, I drugged my family. That's why they were all in bed, face down, and that's how I could do it, is I drugged them. Well, then they did a tox report. They did the autopsies, and uh, the autopsy report indicated something different. Yep. Uh, they were like, we did an extensive toxicology report, not only on the blood and the urine, but also all of the organs. 
nothing was in their system. No drugs, no alcohol, no sedatives, no illegal substances, nothing was in their system. So they don't know, one, where those sedatives came from and why he would say, yeah, I drugged them. And to throw another wrench into the works, uh, his sister, Dawn, the 18-year-old, um, who has been sort of uh, accused of participating in this, was the only person who was found differently. So she, everybody had been shot in the back, mm -hmm. face down. She had her face blown off. Um, and, sorry to be so vulgar, um, and she was much more brutally murdered. She also had um, unburnt powder on her clothes, which means that she could have fired a firearm that evening. Yes. So some people believe that maybe she was in some way involved in the murders. So that's when, exactly, that's when his story starts to change again. Uh, he then starts to tell another story where he said, uh, it actually wasn't me that killed everyone. So he, he reverted back being like, actually, it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, I know I just told you guys it, was, it wasn't. It He said that it was actually Don and her boyfriend at the time yeah. uh, that came in and killed the family as he was getting home from work. And when he saw them, the boyfriend took off. He didn't get a good sight at the boyfriend, so he couldn't give a description. And he started wrestling the rifle from Don and accidentally shot her. That was one story, and they're like... And then politely put her back in bed. With yeah, and, <laughs> um, and they're like, that can't be right. And he's like, you're right, it isn't right. It was just her that did it. This there guy. wasn't a guy there at all. Um, and But I still wrestled the gun from her and shot her. And they're like, really? And he's like, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm lying I'm about that, too. The interviews with... Uh, with Ron are pretty interesting. You know, he's very boisterous and yes. very, like, defensive. So, a month later, uh, or a year later, well, a little less than um, a year, it's 11 months later, it actually goes to trial. Yep. Um, yeah, and, Ron, did, Butch did get arrested for this. Butch gets arrested. They're like, yeah. we have enough evidence to show it was you. Even if your sister was involved, she's dead now, yep. so we can't really try a dead body. Yeah. Um, you're going on trial for this. So the trial starts October 14th, 1975, so 11 months later. Um, and he and his defense lawyer, William Weber, are like, we can use the fact that you gave like 19 different stories to our advantage and plead insanity. Yep. So uh, DeFeo claimed that he killed his family in self-defense because he heard their voices plotting against him. Um, the insanity plea was supported by a psychiatrist for the defense. Uh, the psychiatrist's name was Daniel Schwartz. But the prosecution was like, they're probably going to pull the insanity plea. Because at the time, that was a very common thing to do. With, uh, it was a new thing. It wasn't a common thing. Yeah. It was a new thing. It's like when people say the divorce rate skyrocketed in the 70s. No, you just finally could get him for a reason other than he's going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the prosecution brought in Dr. Harold Zolon, who is like, he's not insane. He's not crazy in any sort. He is, however, a heroin addict known to do LSD like all the time, has antisocial personality disorder, is as, as we know it now, bipolar disorder. Yeah. And he was fully aware of his actions at the time of the crime. He cannot plead insanity. He knows what was going on. He did it willfully, uh, feloniously, and like knew what he was doing. And so, they're like, you got us. Sorry. <laughs> and he goes, why am I even being tried? I wasn't even there. <laughs> uh, but on November 21st, uh, 1975, so about a month later, and this is a little over a year after the actual murders take place, 
He was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. And on December 4th, uh, the judge, Thomas Stark, uh, sentenced him to six consecutive life sentences. So he goes to jail at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York. Yeah, out in Fallsburg. And he was there until uh, this past March yep. uh, where he passed away. Yep, he passed in March. Uh, well, for the first time. He's got six life sentences. So he's yeah. got five more to He's say. got five more. Sorry, I just don't ever understand that punishment. Like, it's it's such an American thing yeah. to be like, you're punished to something that's impossible. Just tell him he's got life in prison. Man. Yeah. Don't. Like, do we need to do that shit? <laughs> Just someone that's immortal, like, lives yeah. six lifetimes, and he's like, can I leave now? Um, I've been here for, like, six generations. I'm pretty sure that's how it works, right? Dogs live in their own years, and we uh, we put prisoners on cat years, or cat life rules. So, flash back to 1974. Yep. Um, the murders happen. Everything's going on. 13 months later... Um, the house goes up for sale. Yep. They they clear it out, but it's at a discount price because of the murders. <laughs> yeah, that is typically how it works. Uh, a real flash. Sale. I believe that's the the basis of the first season of American Horror Story. I think that's yeah. why they buy the murder house because it's on sale. Yeah, because there's a murder in it. Uh, hey, honey, how do you like this house? It's it's in our budget. <laughs> it's a little murdery. That family did get brutally murdered, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really you know it's nice. It's in our budget. Why wouldn't we want it? But yeah, it was all, it was for sale for uh, eighty thousand dollars. Yeah. So they buy it, they move in, and they are loving life for twenty eight days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I talk about this a little bit? Yep. This is my the Lutz story is maybe my favorite. Uh, yeah. So they move in. They're like, cool. We've got this house. It's. Uh, uh, what is Mr. Lutz's? Is it Frank? Uh, George. George. Sorry, yeah. George. Yeah, George, his wife, and their daughter all move in. Um, and their dog. Yes. Importantly, their dog. So George is, by all accounts, like a pretty like boisterous, outgoing businessman. When they move in, all of that changes. Mm -hmm. In a matter of days, he goes from being fun and outgoing to not being able to sleep, being cranky, constantly being cold, always being mad, on the verge of rage, uh, spends all of his days cutting firewood as he's trying to get it warmer in the house, and he is seemingly entering into a series of maniacal behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead. Starts getting more and more involved with like researching occult stuff yep. and like weird interests that he didn't have beforehand. Yeah, things that, you know, sort of almost like a, a dark calling, you know, that he didn't once have. Um, obviously, they hear things. There there are things happening in the house. They see ghosts on a regular basis. They see very scary things. Um, noises don't stop. Bef when they buy the house, before they moved in, because they knew what had happened, they brought in a priest. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the part that's a little exorcisty. Uh, they brought in a priest in an effort to have him bless the home. And when he did so, in both of the films and in the book, there's a more fictionalized account of what happens with flies blinding him and all this stuff. Um, that's not really what happened, but there were... Um in the middle of winter, their rooms would be infested with flies. Flies don't live during the winter. Yeah. So that's a truly puzzling thing and is, a, you know, a very typical red flag for something spooky is happening here. There's a demon. Uh, but, yeah, so they had the house blessed, and the priest specifically said, this one room, do not use it, don't go into it, don't enter it. And it's the, it was the upstairs bedroom where uh, I believe... Was that Ronald's room? I believe so, yeah. yeah. So this priest gets slapped in the face, or he feels as though he's been slapped in the face, and a voice tells him, get out. So he gets out of the room, tells him, hey, don't use this room. 
I, I love how that's the response. Just get that. out. And it's like, I don't think you guys should use this room. Not, you guys should probably leave this fucking house. Like, whatever slapped him only lives in this room. Yeah. He's like, I do go to the bathroom occasionally, and sometimes I'm at the fridge. It's around 3.15 if you need to find me. But yeah, so George started waking up every morning at 3.15, mm -hmm. inexplicably restless, unable to sleep. That is, as we mentioned, the time that Butch woke up and started shooting the entire house. Um, the murders occurred at 3.15, between 3.15 and 3.45. So uh, George is starting to feel as though things are unraveling a little uh and the family's taking a hard look around and decide eh, maybe we should move yeah um they had an occurrence that happened on that 28th night they still don't talk about what happened nobody has fully said what what did or did not occur that evening but they decided at that point that it was in their best interests to get the fuck out of that house forever yeah. never ever 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 come back including leaving all of their possessions in the home, which would go on to be auctioned off, which I'm sure Baggins has a couple of those or something. Sure. But, like, uh, the family was... And we'll get a little bit more into some of the stuff they saw, too, but they just dropped everything. Yeah. 28 days. They didn't even stay for a month. They mm -hmm. said, fuck this, we're leaving. And I don't blame them after hearing some of it. Like, like you said, they don't talk about what happened on that last day, but the stuff they do talk about, I don't know how they lasted 28 days, honestly. So some common things that happened were uh, doors were being ripped off of their hinges, which that mixed with the voice saying get out and being slapped, I think we're just talking about the two teenage girls, uh, Dawn and Allison. <laughs> that is what it feels like, as, right? As get out of my room! Who, as someone who has an older sister who has been slapped by her same, and told to same. get out of the room, yeah, we're both and like slamming the door so hard the fucking hinges came. The amount of times my dad took my sister's door as punishment, being like, you know what? You're going to be a bitch. No door. <laughs> I understand ripping the door off the hinges. For sure, man. Uh, green slime would ooze from the ceilings, down the walls, and out of um, keyholes. Yes. However, it was uh, when they were brought in. So there's this unfortunately kind of damning bit of investigation that happened with uh, George and his wife. They were talking to a reporter late at night and they were drinking and they shared a few things and that report maybe it was a police officer i just can't remember right the second i apologize but they were handing them pictures and asking them what these things were knowing full well what they already were and mm -hmm. one of those pictures was the green dust they had used to fingerprint the house after the murders they showed him a picture of that on the wall and george went that's the slime from the door that's not slime that is dust for fingerprints. Yeah. yeah, and it's a humid place, so there's a possibility it didn't get properly cleaned. The slime is the only thing that sticks out to me that isn't inherently all that demonic either, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not like it's blood coming from the walls. Yeah, that's more slime. It's boogers. Yeah. yeah. And especially if it was in cracks and crevices like a keyhole or in the ceilings where the wall meet the ceiling because if it had been if that dust had not been cleaned say that you know of course they're going to dust the doorknob yeah so if they dust the doorknob i'm doing this on a, the <laughs> spaceship wall over here that you guys can't see it's a really nice view if you look so down beeps, beeps, we yeah. just get sucked out of the air like, <laughs> um, like if you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh, alfred lowenstein just open the door oh i thought i was pissing i thought it was a bathroom <laughs> But yeah, so like if that got into that door, 
that keyhole and then the latent moisture got in there it would make yeah it would make like what looked like probably because there wouldn't be enough moisture to make it a fluid fluid yeah it would look like green goo yeah yeah so that sort of stuff is a little i don't mean to be oh no because the stuff that happened in this house is fucking crazy mm -hmm. not to use crazy in an inflammatory sense it's just unbelievable and it's a very rare case like ed gein ed gein gets talked about all the time and he you know, he inspired uh, Buffalo Bill and he inspired uh, Leatherface, but that's not really what he did. Yeah. In Amityville, this is what happened. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, continue. Ed Gein, what he really did uh, was make a belt out of nipples and a yep. lampshade out of chest. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> I hate that he was so morbid because he had a tremendously good sense of humor. <laughs> is, that a, is that a topaz belt? No, nah, man, nipples. Snips. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. When it's cold out, it gets a little tighter. Uh, <laughs> A studded, studded belt. <laughs> Watch this. Steps outside and his belt becomes studded. Uh, but his earrings shrink. Gross. Uh, another thing that happened was a nearby garage door. Uh, the garage door to the boathouse that was also on the property would just open and close all the time. <laughs> and it should be made clear, I guess I could put a photo behind us, but the boathouse, everybody kind of knows what the Amityville house looks like. Yeah. Well, it's connected to it, it's right behind it, and it's right on the river. So it, that's not a, it's not a garage that's like out on the back 20. Like yeah. it's right there, you'd hear it all night long. Um, uh, knife in the kitchen, anytime it was set down, would just be knocked onto the floor. Doesn't matter where you would set it, you'd just be like, well, I'm done using this, too. and it just, <laughs> right onto the floor. We're like, cool. Don't use that fucking knife, I guess. Um, the one that really creeps me out is George uh, and both of his sons, Daniel and Christopher, have all seen um, this pig-like creature staring at them with bright red eyes. Well, yeah, they have, but the youngest daughter called it her friend. Yes. Yeah, what's the pig's name? Uh, I don't remember. It's part of the movie. In the trailer for the movie, that's the red dots that are, are always flying through the screen. Oh, man, why can't I remember it? It's I'll, I'll edit it in. There's going to be a short piece of me sitting here by myself going, <laughs> the pig's name was... What was the pig's name? Look it up. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Pig's name... Jody. Jody, that's right. I knew it ended in a Y. Jody. Yeah, Jody the pig. Yeah, because the youngest daughter insisted that they were friends. Yeah, it was uh, like her invisible friend. And in the movie, um, with it being named Jody, later on, one of the um, Conjuring movies, or actually, no, Amityville uh, Horror 2, yeah. <laughs> adds Jody as a eighth member of the DeFeo family. It was oh, okay. a it was a made up daughter. Okay. So that's how they kinda tied Jody uh in the first movie as the pig monster to the actual because the second movie is all about the shooting. Okay. Um so they added a new child called Jody to be that pig monster stand gotcha. in. Gotcha. But yeah, this pig like creature with red eyes staring at them from a window, which huh, no, no, thank you. There was the time George woke up to Kathy levitating on the bed. Mm -hmm. That's some paranormal activity shit. And then being like, freaking out, runs to his kid's bedroom. It's like, guys, your mom's floating. Fuck, both of you are also <laughs> floating above the bed. Um, and then, like you said, waking up uh, at the same time in the murders each night. And then they would smell these like just disgusting, rotting odors randomly. And as someone that smells cigarettes randomly ever since I had the plague, <laughs> um, that shit's obnoxious and will really drive you crazy. Yep. 
as cigarettes, I can't imagine rotting flesh. Dude, same, same. I uh, I had a very unpleasant experience. You know about this. When I was younger, a friend of mine passed away. He unfortunately overdosed, and he was my neighbor. He lived two houses down from me, and we lived in this old shotgun. But unfortunately, we lived in Tucson, Arizona, which means that he was outside in Tucson in the summer for a day and a half. I went into my backyard, which was like six feet by six feet, and I thought I had a squirrel in my gutter because I could smell it in my house. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a farm. like I'm, I'm all too acquainted with the smell of rotting meat. And uh, I was like, fuck, man, I got a squirrel in my gutter. You want to talk about a sad, disappointing... I'm not going to talk, yeah, because it'll make me all emotional. But, like, you know, you go... I climbed up my little ladder to see if that's what it was. I found what I was looking for, but it wasn't wasn't a squirrel in my gutter. It's a very distinct smell, you know? You know it, you know? (laughs) Not too long ago, we had a... a, uh, When we were still in the haunted attic before we got abducted... um, we had squirrels up there, and we had a whole day where we were just we're like, just we, well, we were like hunting for it because you could smell it, and you just didn't we know just, where it was. It was in the middle of summer, and we couldn't do anything because it was just a hot, humid attic <laughs> that just reeked like dead squirrel, and we're like, <laughs> but we still brought you a podcast. We did. We did. Uh, and when we got attacked by bats, still brought you a podcast, which is why if you're not, you should subscribe right now. Yeah, <laughs> if you enjoy this, like and subscribe, please. We could use it. Um, and like you said, they did experience uh, cold spots all throughout the house yeah. and the swarms of flies all and around the And the fly house. thing is creepy as fuck. The fly thing, I mean, if you were to just walk in a room in the middle of winter and flies just started going, I'd be like, first, all right, who left out some pizza? Second of all... Why the fuck are you here? It's winter. <laughs> uh, a couple years, yeah, a couple years ago, uh, this house, the, the or this house, this is a spaceship, but the house that we used to record in, um, my kitchen was like full of flies, and it was like October, and I could not figure out why. And then I would go on to continue to live in that home and realize it's because it's incredibly fucking haunted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they experience all these things. They experience the big event, and they're like, "Fuck this place." We're going to leave. I wonder what it was. There's, know. You know, we could get into um, sort of talking about it. And I know sometimes we like to just sort of make stuff up and talk about it. I don't want to do too much of that here because I would just love for him to tell us what happened. What happened? Why'd you leave? Yeah. What was the final? I wonder if George tried to kill somebody, you know? Maybe. Because in the movies, that's why they leave. Yeah. Yeah, he always picks up the axe and tries to kill somebody. But I wonder if that's really what happened or if he just said, fuck it, let's get the fuck out of here. I've had it. I don't know how you live in that house for 28 days. No I idea. agree. Like... Uh, when I first moved into the haunted house, I had nightmares. I don't really have nightmares. I don't really dream a whole lot. And I had nightmares for probably two weeks straight. Like, very vivid, very brutal, frightening nightmares. And they eventually went away. Um, who knows? Maybe it just meant that I was possessed. Um, but there's just, like, it was... I don't know. There's something about a spooky house that... <sighs> I can only take it for about a week or so. Yeah. After that, you just—I mean, look at the look at the entertainment industry around hauntings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Most people can only stand that for thirty minutes. So I don't know how these guys lived with this for twenty. I mean, you just bought the house. I know. Yeah. I don't know why you'd buy that house either. I think you, maybe that was part of it. You know, it's like a great assault. It's like, well, we did buy the murder house, so we got to kind of like. Do you think after we he really saw dug Kath- our own grave? Yeah. Wow, no <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> do you think after he saw Kathy floating and he went in and saw the kids floating, he was like, "Well, you know, I did." It was a murder house. <laughs> like you think you just kept telling himself that it is a murder house. He sees him and he's like, house. "That's what we get for shopping under budget." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he like Jim Halpert's the camera. <laughs> this is just a cautionary tale of capitalism. It's we're coming back to Squid Game now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but after they they go off, they leave the house. They're like, "Fuck this place." Um, they start telling their story. Yeah. Uh, they 
take lie detector tests. Um, those come up that they're not lying about what happens. Uh, but then they also start to get bogged down in legal and financial issues, which cause people to be like, I wonder if they're making this up to just sell their story. Well, you know what's interesting is the lawyer who was representing them was very quick to jump to talking about deals. Mm -hmm. But what that did mean is in order to tell that whole story, to do the book, to do the movie, to do all that stuff, well, you're also going to need Butch. Yeah. And Butch was in jail at the time. Um, and it was an interesting move on George's part, but George and the Lutz family decided to um, sort of help... They helped Butch file an appeal on the basis that, at the time, Butch was arrested because he was a bipolar person having a manic episode and he shot his whole family. Mm -hmm. But then the people who moved in right afterwards went, that isn't what happened in this house. This house is actually haunted. We don't know what the fuck's wrong with it. It made me try to kill my family. Yeah. Maybe Butch didn't mean to do it. Maybe the house made him do it. I understand the goodwill intended with that, but it will always be impossible to separate the Lutz family from the reputation of the house then, mm -hmm. because in a fiduciary sense, they are so inexorably tied. You know, it's like they cashed in by tying their wagons to the DeFeos. Yes. And that's an interesting move. They already had a connection to the DeFeos, though. Did they? And this is a lesser known thing, but uh, the Lutz's former lawyer, William Weber, uh, actually fell out with them over some money issues. Uh, he's the one that came out in 1979 being like, no, the three of us came up with this. And he's like, the reason they know so many details, if you think back to about 20 minutes ago, do you remember what Butch's defense lawyer's name was? Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's that same lawyer that they started mm -hmm. working with, yeah. Yep. So they start working with Butch's defense lawyer, and he starts telling everyone that, uh, yeah, I just told him all this like confident information about the case yeah and we built this horror story around it over glasses of wine yeah and we made this all up yeah and when money issues started becoming a thing with rights uh to the book and the movie and stuff like that they had a falling out and he's like all this shit's fake don't listen to him yeah so that's what it, he's the one who was having the interview with him about the slime that mm -hmm. was the slime interview he was the lawyer that makes more sense. Okay. Um, Daniel, who uh, still is alive, he lives in Queens. Um, he is a stonemason, and he's like, no, all this stuff did happen. It ruined my fucking life. I can't sleep. I haven't slept since the 70s. That's crazy, man. I cannot sleep. Well, you know, I talked to, so uh, <laughs> my de facto father-in-law lived less than a mile from this house when this happened. He lived there from fucking 1960 to 1980. Uh, he was there the whole time. And when I was talking to him a little bit while they were visiting, because we were talking about the story, sort of what put it in my mind to do it as an episode, I mentioned that, yeah, like at the time, it, nobody saw this as anything other than what it was described as having happened. There were obviously critics and stuff saying, ah, oh, they're crazy, they're seeing shit, they're full of shit, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. But most people believed them. And most of the people, it's not like these people were complete strangers. They weren't strangers to the area. They just bought a new house in Long Island. Yeah. People knew them. So it, they were a trustworthy family. They had never done anything sketchy. Like when the DeFeo incident happened, he said that it was kind of, it wasn't expected, but like that was a troubled house. Everybody knows the troubled house on the block, right? Yeah. So, like, I think when it happened with the Lutzes, it was a lot more surprising. And it was like, oh, shit, maybe there's something to this. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, they ended up working with the same lawyer. Cause they, and that was the sort of the deal that the lawyer made with them. It's like, if, well, if we're going to do this, I want to make sure that we can do something to help both of my clients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
two years after they leave the house, um, two new people enter the situation. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yep. And if you're sitting there and you're a fan of horror movies, you're going to be like, why are those names so familiar? Ed and Lorraine... Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren are the people that the Conjuring movies are based on. Yep. They were real-life people. Ed um, was a self-prescribed demonologist. Yeah, he's a demonologist. He's a parapsychologist. And, and a devout Christian. Yep. He always makes a point to say that. Demonologists kind of have to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you got to believe in demons. You can't, you can't <laughs> be an atheist demon, demonologist. What are the demons saying? Uh, they're not real. Well, also, Christianity is not the only religion. Yeah. You know? So it's like, yeah. it, astrologists don't believe in demons, you know what I mean? I guess the Christian ones probably do. Uh, <laughs> um, and Lorraine was uh, clairvoyant and a light trance medium, is what she said. Yeah, trans medium is one of my favorites. Because <laughs> it sounds like, uh, you know, like, trans, I, I won't get too far into this, but as we both know, like, being trans, there are different amounts and that <laughs> it just sounds like i'm a trans medium <laughs> uh, or also like i'm a trans medium which i think at this point is probably 30 percent of tarot readings on instagram and tiktok <laughs> they all come from a trans medium <laughs> um it reminds me of one of my favorites which to cap off those jokes uh trans lives matter yes trans rights trans, trans rights. rights uh one of my all-time favorite jokes is what do you call it uh clairvoyant dwarf who's running from the police a small medium at large <laughs> one of my favorite jokes it's because it's uh, a great joke so two years after the lutz family moves out of uh, 112 ocean avenue ed and lorraine pop in they kick open the door they said we're here to fuck up some ghosts um they brought a news crew of the channel 5 news in new york with them not not like, andrew calligan yeah the, the actual new york channel 5 news although this sounds like some shit channel 5 would be at so, uh, how long have you been a ghost? <laughs> Trump rules! Oh! Rocket launch! Rocket launch! Rocket launch! Um, so, they bring this film crew, the news crew with them, and they're like, we're going to do a paranormal investigation. Show us Jody. Live on news. Um, the film crew uses an infrared time lapse uh, of the house, and that is where we get a very infamous The Demonic Boy uh, Yeah. Picture that was used for yeah the that we promotion, talked about earlier uh, for the movie. It's on a couple covers of the different printings of the book. Um, they find all sorts of things like they say that Ed gets pushed out of a room, um, which is funny to listen to Ed and Lorraine talk about this investigation and listen to the news team yeah. talk about this investigation yeah. <laughs> because Ed is like I was pushed out of a room and I was screamed at and I was possessed and my wife brought me out of possession and part of the news crew is like yeah um I didn't see or hear any of this I like the uh, report there's an interview with one reporter in one of the documentaries the BBC did that's like I want to make it abundantly clear I am a reporter I saw none of this I didn't see any of it I didn't experience anything so anyway Ed got pushed out of a window and it's just like she makes it abundantly clear that uh, they might have been sewing a yarn. They might have yeah. been a little enthusiastic while they were there. Um, they're like, yeah, like, we, this place is, ex quote, extremely haunted. Like, there's so much bad energy going on. Get yellow tape. We need yellow tape. Where, <laughs> we don't need just our culturally appropriated sage. We need tarragon and rosemary. This is, this is a... Three herb situation in this house. <laughs> Three herb fire. Uh, do you make a whole little 
herb bouquet. <laughs> Hold on to your crystals tight, motherfuckers, because we're fighting some ghosts. Lorraine says, Ed, get the herbs to Provence. We got a poltergeist. <laughs> Sprinkling Provence on it. Get out of here. <laughs> honey, honey, there's a demon running towards me. Shit, I only have turmeric left. <laughs> Just like a spice satchel on it. Ah, ah. <laughs> He's yellow, but he hasn't stopped. <laughs> uh, so they do this investigation. They're like, this place is extremely haunted. And then other investigations take place afterwards. And they're like, this was a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> Their whole investigation was a hoax. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, by all accounts, it seemed like hoax. It's unfortunate that that investigation was seemingly done as such a cash grab. Yeah. Because it really does feel like a hoax. Uh, what's interesting is, so subsequently, four families have purchased that home. Mm -hmm. And not a single one of them has had any complaints or mentioned anything. No, not at all. Uh, I do want to say one thing that we skipped over when we were talking about the house that needs to be discussed is that there is a small room in the basement that is painted scarlet. It's described as big enough for two people to sit in intimately. And it is not on the original blueprints of the house. And that wouldn't be as big of a surprise if it wasn't in the basement. Yeah. But it's in the basement, which means it was in the foundation. So they had it in mind when they built it. And the question is, what was that room? Why was it red of all colors? Because if it was just like a little concrete chute or something, yeah. I could understand. But it being red really makes me question it, you know? That's like uh, a buddy of mine, I think about three or four years back now, uh, bought a house. And we're like, how's the new house? And he's like, oh, it's great. I love it. Uh, when I was moving in, I was just kind of going through things. He's like, when I did a tour before I bought it, there was a door in the basement that was latched and kind of hard to open. He's like, well, when I finally moved in, I was able to open it. He said there was a light on inside of the room. There was what he believed to be red paint spilled everywhere. And it had like a little workbench built into the wall. He pulled one of the drawers and it was just full of clean bones. And he's like, I was fucking terrified. I just don't go in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the sewing room with the, like the Amityville house. Just it, don't go in that room. He was like, yeah, I got a really good deal on the house, so I just don't go in there. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, this house, uh, as it sits, it's a Dutch colonial home. Um, it's got five bedrooms, three and a half bathrooms, and the boathouse, as we talked about. So it's a nice house. Yeah. And it went back up for sale. Uh, it got foreclosed on in 1977. Yeah, which is fascinating. Because no one, after the Lutz moved out and they're like, that place it's is haunted It's pretty shit. hard to sell a house where the last family runs kicking and screaming and says, you can have my couch. Um, they stopped making payments on it, so the bank foreclosed on it. Yeah. Um, and then they went up, it went back up for sale and it got bought by James and Barbara um, Cromarty? Cromarty. Cromarty? Yep. Um who they own the Riverhead Raceway. Yeah, baby, Riverhead. Um, I've been to Riverhead. And they did a hilarious thing. Uh, so like I said, it's 112 Ocean Avenue. Yep. They buy the house, they move in, and they're like, something's got to be done about this place. We hate that yellow card song. <laughs> so they changed the address to 108 Ocean <laughs> Avenue. But that's pretty clever because it's like hiding in plain sight yeah. you know what i mean people will be like well is that the house it looks like it but the address is wrong and their reasoning uh, i find hilarious which a lot of people are like they speculated 
was it to trick the ghost into thinking they no longer live there? They're like, no, ever since the fucking movie came out, we can't get any peace. Yep, people never stop coming to the house. It's just like the people that own the Breaking Bad house and yep. keep coming and throwing pizzas well, on the roof. Yeah, but at least, you know, those people aren't trying to come in to investigate the fucking house, you know? Uh, they're like that, and... We kind of like that the property value is pretty low. We don't have to pay that many taxes. <laughs> if we change it and it's no longer a famous house, property value stays low. That's true. That's a fair point. Um, so they lived there um, for at least a decade, like, if not more. And they just kind of get tired of the house. They outgrow it. So they move. They sell it to Peter uh, and Gian O'Neill in 1987. Um, they live there perfectly fine. Nothing happens. They sell it in 1997 for three uh, $310,000. Damn. Which, it was sold originally for $80,000. Yeah, but in the 70s. you got well, yeah. to take into consideration. You're not taking into consideration inflation here. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That house now is probably worth a couple million. Um, to Brian Wilson, uh, not of Beach Boys fame, <laughs> and they... Lived there for about 10 years, uh, 20 years maybe, and then it gets sold again in 2017 uh, for $605,000, so half a million dollars. No one knows who bought it in 2017. No one knows if anyone actually lives there. No one's really seen anyone living in yeah, there. Yeah, I bet it's just some collector. It's probably Zach Baggins or yeah, something. Probably. And I know I bring him up all the time and I rag on him, and that's because I want to fucking fight. No, I don't. He's mm -hmm. he's funny. He's whatever, you know? Um, but that dude collects stuff like that. Yeah. He has, like, that museum in Vegas, and he has all that sort of stuff. I know he's bought a, he bought a house in Detroit. He bought a couple haunted houses. So it would make sense. Well, what do you think, Caleb? What do you think caused it? Do you think... I know that the movies like to tell a story of an Indian burial ground, but here's what I'm going to go ahead as the... the <laughs> One who can talk on that. Here's what I'm going to tell everybody listening. This entire country is an Indian burial ground. Um, and if you think you're dealing with the ghosts, we're all still alive. You just don't see us. Uh, there's there's no big lore to Indian burial grounds. It's some yeah. weird white thing where they try to appropriate the culture in the form of a curse. I, any mound, if you live in the Midwest, mounds the park. Yeah. Right? Any place where you see like a round mound, that's probably a burial mound in all likelihood. Mm -hmm. That's a burial ground. Thousands and thousands and thousands of those were bulldozed in this country to build parks, to build all kinds of stuff. The idea of something being built on an Indian burial ground is just hateful. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, and I hate to say it that way because I don't necessarily think the people who say it mean that, but it's just something born out of ignorance. That's uh, the other day I saw something that said um, one person was like, you know, I don't really believe in ghosts. He goes, the reason I don't believe in ghosts, or he's like, not just ghosts, but harmful ghosts, is because if harmful ghosts existed, no white person would exist any longer. Yeah, it would, yeah, you'd be dead. Everybody would be fucking dead. Yeah, uh, between uh, natives and between uh, dead slaves, dead, dead natives, slaves, dead natives, dead Union soldiers, dead Confederate soldiers. <laughs> we talked about that in like our second podcast. What happens when two ghosts from opposing sides of a war meet each other? Are they cool with each other? Can they see each other? Are they like, oh, you son of a bitch? <sighs> there is a uh, very funny sketch um, that Brandon Lee Mulligan did. Um, I want to say in 2015 or 2016. You can find it on YouTube. It's hilarious. And it is, uh, he is a Civil War ghost, and he is um, a Civil War ghost in the South, and he appears, and he's all, like, ethereal and spectral and bottom-lit and all white, and he's like, I have lived through the Civil War, and I am back in common times. 
And I just want to say, I really messed up this situation, <laughs> you guys. I had it all wrong. That's on me. <laughs> that, that's entirely my bad. Um, but no, my opinion in the case, uh, kind of... I'm iffy on it. And I'm iffy on it for one specific reason, and that's Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine are notorious for making up stories for cash grabs. Well, yeah, I mean, the doll thing. They're yeah. the one, the Annabelle, conjuring, all that stuff. Annabelle. Sorry, Annabelle that's is uh, something that they came up with yeah. that they have that um, supposedly went missing in their museum recently, too. Well, it was during 2020, so everybody was like, oh, of course, yeah. of course. But it showed up a couple days later. Uh, they had another case that they did... Um, the Perrin family, which was in 1971 in Rhode Island, that they were haunted by a witch. Um, the U.S. U.S. Today actually did a report on that, and they're like, no, they made the story up. That never happened. Amityville is a big thing that they did. Uh, the Enfield Poltergeist is another thing that was like, no one uh, in our family had ever heard of any of these people, uh, and this has been a long lineage that has lived in this house. And when Ed showed up, he just started making people up that used to live here. So, do I think ghosts exist? Yes. Do I think hauntings exist? Yes. When Ed and Lorraine are tied to anything, I get very skeptical. That's entirely fair. And I'm going to... I'm right there with you. I will... I'll close with this. There was something that I left out um, when we were talking about the development of the book and the film. And that's because it comes from... Well, uh, from Lorraine, I believe. So it's not like the most reliable source. I mean, part of it absolutely is a cash-in or darkness, right? You know, like some of it's an absolute f- fabricated... This is makes for a better story than better truth. Yeah. Um, but I don't... I mean, obviously... <laughs> The fun thing, seven people really did die. You know, it really did happen. I, if not the haunted house, why did Butch kill him? I could see it as a bipolar episode. That's a really manic one, but he was in an incredibly, incredibly bad situation. Yeah. Um, and then being in a situation that abusive, it's not that unsurprising. Now, that being said, the fact that no one else heard those gunshots is pretty wild. That but I don't know what it's supposed to mean. Like, yeah. Are they uh, phantom bullets? Yeah, like, what is that supposed? Because you know we cover this shit all the time, and it's like there's you know there's like regular version, there's phantom version, there's evil version, there's and what I don't understand what would happen if you didn't hear those gunshots. Yeah. They, those people were still shot by that gun. I guess that just adds credence to maybe somebody else had something to do with it, or that it you know there were accomplices, or there was more than one person. I am curious about the theory with Dawn, just because she was killed differently, mm-hmm. and there so there was also. We'll get to the thing I'm about to talk about. I got two things to finish with, I guess. There was two final pieces. So one, uh, an investigator outside of their house, a police officer claimed that the night of the murders, he was watching the house for a different reason. The night of the, which is odd to me, but it was a chaotic house. Uh, He claimed that he saw Dawn come out with the firearm, go to the pier and drop it. Now that is where the divers did find the gun. Mm -hmm. In uh, his testimony... Butch claimed that the person who brought him the gun, he didn't go get the gun. Now, obviously, he told a number of stories. But in one of the stories, he told that he was brought the gun by a demon. A demon, a hooded demon brought him the gun. Well, the same cop claimed to have seen Don in a jacket with a hood and gloves leaving with the gun. So, there's some other credence to that story. Now, that timeline doesn't really add up very well. um, But that being said, he did follow her to where the gun was actually dropped. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing I I didn't include to go into sort of the mysticism of the house and whether it's haunted and if it's a demonic energy or whatever. I don't think it's demonic because, I mean, we can call it demonic, but I don't think they're Christian demons, if that's what it is. Um, Is that 
the manuscript for the book, there were three cases where one person was given it and the, that night her home burned down. And the only thing that survived, can you guess? Was the manuscript. Archduke Franz Ferdinand's car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the White Stag curse. If you guys haven't seen that one, that car burned. It burned inside a fucking building and nothing happened to it because it burned the building down. Do go listen to that one. I love a cursed car. But yeah, so the manuscript survived. In another instance, a man and his son plunged their car into a lake. They survived. And when they pulled the car out, the only thing that wasn't soaked in the trunk was a copy of the manuscript that was only in a clasped manila envelope. Yeah, it wasn't in anything a, waterproof. Interesting. A paper envelope yeah. kept it dry. And then the next instance, another person reading the manuscript within days of getting it, their house burned down. Yep. And I believe they perished. And the only thing that survived, once again, was that manuscript. So... <laughs> Do you think it was the author? <laughs> this shit sucks, and my publicist keeps sending it to editors, and I'm not ready for anyone to read it. I think it was Ed and Lorraine to be able to add to the lore. Yeah. I think we're going to find out, much like the Beast of Jevonon years from now, that Ed and Lorraine are going around causing these things to happen so that they have stories to talk about. It's like how the Beast wasn't a giant werewolf. It was just a guy, two brothers with a killer dog, killing people to tell a story. There is a movie, I'm trying to remember what it is, that, oh, it is the the reboot of Ghostbusters, the all-female reboot of Ghostbusters, yeah. where they have that haunted house that um, it's actually all just elaborate stuff that's set up so the guy can sell haunted house tours, and he has triggers and stuff going on. Yeah, like on. Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Meddling uh, kids. So Ed and Lorraine just, like, going into people's houses, setting stuff up, <laughs> having it go off and being like, this place is fucking haunted. Do you have any personal items we could take? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ed and Lorraine kind of feel like uh, they're just like the bad guys from Scooby-Doo, except they're not trying to keep the kids away necessarily. Yeah. They're just trying to sell that story. And so, instead of being like, oh, I'll get your kids, they're like, pay $5 to see me, kids. It, I like to think they go into some place and they're like, this place is really haunted, man. Especially that Rolex over there. <laughs> Did you get that from like a family member? It's like, yeah, it was my grandpa's. Ah, uh, yeah. Your grandpa's a demon now, and his soul's possessing that watch. We're going to take it off your hands. Because they do have... Well, they did. Both of them have passed away. Uh, well, Ed, yeah, but Baggins is the one who's taken up that yeah. mantle. Uh, yeah. Ed passed away in 2006. Lorraine passed away in uh, 2019. Um, but they had this whole collection of things they just stole from people's houses that they said were haunted. Like Annabelle. Like Annabelle. Um, like, they had a TV, like an old TV that they were like, spirits live inside this. <laughs> and it, like, yeah, just setting these things up. It makes me, it makes me think of control. You know, yeah. like the objects of control. The, the objects object. of control. That, yeah. Such a cool premise. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the refrigerator. It's so, the slide projector is such a neat, uh, villain, like mm. what an incredible idea! What happened to these poor kids? Well, they found a projector in a dump when they were young, and it's possessed them. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know what happened in Amityville. I mean, obviously people died. I, I don't know if they're blowing smoke. I mean, obviously nobody lives there now. It would be great to go in there and do some form of an investigation. You know, it'd be fun to just hang out in the house. I say that like we're paranormal investigators. Yeah. It'd be fun to just like, I don't know, hang out in the house and see what it's like. It's a hangout in that sewing room. Yeah. It'd be fun. I wonder, you know, it's been years, but I bet whatever spirit in there would be really good at that competitive slapping. You know? Probably super goddamn good at it. <laughs> Take on Alexi. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Watch Slap Championships. That shit's so, so fun. fun. I don't know. That is 
maybe the dumbest form of competition in terms of like being considerate of the well-being for your body. It's I think the only thing that could be above that is like competitive car crashing. <laughs> yeah. Like not demolition derby, <laughs> just, just like cars. Yeah, just seeing how fast and how hard you could brick like hit a brick wall. <laughs> like if burnout was a was a sport. I miss I miss those games. Burnout's right. so much fun. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. We have enjoyed the story a lot. Obviously, Amityville is part of the greater horror ethos, uh, and the first, well, I guess, second of our spooky season. Yeah. Next week we got a fun one coming up as well. So if you guys are spooky fans and you're just checking us out for the first time, be around next week. And if you are just checking us out for the first time, uh, something else to know is that Caleb does a riddle at the end. I of do every podcast. Caleb, would you like to give the answer to last week's riddle? Last week's riddle. Uh, was what runs around the whole yard without moving. Uh, that's a fence. Yep. Um, I went to a wedding. My mom is an avid listener or watcher of the podcast, and I was at a wedding the other day, and we had already talked. Like we, we met up. We talked. We were just sitting there, and then my mom just stands there and she just goes, "Fence." <laughs> and I went, "Huh?" And she goes, "Answer this week's riddle. It's <laughs> fence." And I was like, "Cool. You should probably leave with that." Uh, <laughs> No, I love it because my mom, I, I can always tell when my mom watches the podcast and finishes the podcast because I will typically just get a text message that's like, dice. That's it. That's the text message. Uh, but this week's riddle, I have hundreds of ears, but I can't hear a thing. What am I? Ugly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love you guys very much. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. And don't forget, we also have our oh, hotline. Oh, my glasses are all fucked up. <laughs> oh, the room is all fucked up. <laughs> oh, no. I think we left the oven on. Uh, we also have our hotline. It is, I don't think you can see us at all. <laughs> okay, we should keep doing it anyway. It's funnier this way. <laughs>